Room for Two, Episode 6, No Brainy November. Welcome to Shroom for Two, the Plants vs. Zombies Heroes podcast. It is Wednesday, October 25th, and I'm Mike. And I'm Taylor. And I have updated Shroomfor2.com. I added a few new pages to show off our plant decks and our zombie decks that we've talked about or ones that we've been playing a whole bunch and we like. Yeah, yeah. We have our, our kind of deck segment each week, and um, we thought that it would be a good idea to just have those decks all in one place so that people can scroll back through and take a look at them. Um, to give people another reason to go to Shroomfor2.com, the official website of Shroom for 2 the Plants vs. Zombie Zero podcast. Yes, that's right. It's still quite sparse. I still haven't put a real biography of either of us in the host section, so if you want to hear about how I'm so tall that I wear three pairs of pants at once, you can go to the host page and read those dumb jokes I wrote. Every time I look at that page, I try to think of a better bio joke, and I just I can't. Like, you nailed it pretty well, and I don't really want to mess with that right now. Yeah, yeah, I just came up with that randomly in the middle of the night, and it was like 3 a.m. I was making the website, and I was like, you know, this is pretty funny, and I haven't been able to think of a better joke since, so I guess that's good. So, Mike, the season ends in two weeks. I believe the season resets on November 6th, and you've been Ultimate for how long already? Um, yeah, not quite two weeks. Well, congratulations. I, uh, I, have, to, I have to do some grinding in these last few days. I think I'm still 43, but I'm confident that I can get there. Even in this era of nonstop Zomblobs, I think that I can get to ultimate rank by the end of the season. Are you playing more plants or zombies? I'm definitely playing plants right now. I've, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later. I've been doing a lot of repeat moss lately and just low-to-the-ground aggro kabloom decks with things like Blooming Heart and Fireweed. One of the ways to deal with crazy Zomblob combos is to kill them before they get their combo off. So that's what I've been doing. One last thing I want to touch on before we get to listener mail. I got Immortitia as my 10x hero for this week, and I was putting together a deck for her, and I realized the first 30 cards I picked out were all brainy. And I thought, it might be time for a little, a little grassroots movement. So, for the month of November, I am proposing a honor system vow to abstain from any brainy zombie classes. I call it No Brainy November. I'm totally on board with this idea. I think that it's going to help people put their money where their mouth is to say that the brainy class is really totally busted right now. If it is so busted, then play non-brainy zombies for a month and lose a whole bunch. I think that maybe people will find that they still win more often than they think. Or just give yourself a chance to look around at a couple of different deck constructions that aren't about Zomblob or Bad Moon Rising or anything like that. There are a lot of really strong, good zombie decks out there with all the sneaky and hardy cards still floating around you can make a lot of really good decks without having to give yourself medulla nebula yeah and i mean if you want to do unfair stuff you can still you know just put stompadon into the smash deck and win with a bunch that way so now it's time for our listener mail segment and uh, we have as much listener mail as we have ever had here we've got five pieces of listener mail this week 
And so not only is that incredible, I'm still totally blown away by how many people seem to like the show. You broke the trend of scaling linearly one new message a week. We got five this week and three last week. So if Nate Silver taught me anything, that means that we should be rocketing up exponentially very quickly. Yeah, I think we're now officially viral now that we've escaped a greater than one per episode growth. Yeah, I think that's the definition. Our first piece of the listener mail is from listener Ryan, who first of all asks us what we think of Primal Sunflower. What do you think about Primal Sunflower, Mike? Well, Taylor, I've been playing a lot of solar heroes and a lot of flower decks and i haven't really been able to make this work yet because to me the thing about sunflowers and things that give you extra sun is what am i trying to ramp up to quicker like what card am i trying to play a turn earlier to really give myself an advantage and with a cards like Primal Sunflower or Regular Sunflower where you play it on turn one and you have three sun for turn two i haven't figured out a good three sun card to play on turn two to make me include primal sunflower i've been using a lot more of solar winds as my extra sun generation because there are a lot more good cards on turn four that you can play on turn three compared to three manas on turn two i'm totally with you there i don't actually own primal sunflower but um my thoughts about it uh, pretty similarly mirror your own one additional drawback that i think is important is that primal sunflower doesn't have team up so one of the uses for just regular sunflowers, if you include them in your deck in the late game, is to just block with them. Or, you know, you can get cute and, like, buff them with Lily of the Valley and things. And Primal Sunflower is, like, an aggressive ramp card. So, like, it's probably only going to live for one turn, and it's going to let you play... Probably what it's going to let you do is play a two-drop and a one-drop on turn two. And that's definitely quite good. But when you think about what the good cards to ramp out right now, cards like Tricorn, some others we'll get to later, this isn't the sort of ramp card that wants to go in a deck like that. They would much rather play Solar Winds or even Metal Sunflower, you know, the, the slightly bigger creature that ramps you later. That provides the ramp at a much more convenient time when you can play the expensive stuff. The overall benefit of ramping to three on turn two is pretty marginal, and so you want to do that in a game where the game is not going to last very long. In that case, you want to be in an aggro deck. And there are definitely aggro solar flare decks going around right now that are good, but I don't think this really fits into it. Yeah. I suppose if you wanted to get your sunflower seed out a turn earlier, you could play sunflower if you really want to get a lot of sunflowers going and enjoy as many new cards at once as you can. Well, yeah, and you know this sort of feeds into the other part of listener Ryan's question, which is just what do you think about the flower tribe in general right now? You know, a lot of people thought that Briar Rose was going to get nerfed and then it didn't, which I think is the right call. And, you know, flowers are probably pushed as hard or harder than any other plant tribe. And so just being a one mana, two power flower that you can trade for a good card when Briar Rose is in play means that the floor on Primal Sunflower is pretty high. Yeah, flowers are still in excellent shape in my opinion. I think solar is the best plant class right now, and Briar Rose is one of the legendaries I would recommend crafting if you're like trying to figure out which legendaries you should look for first. I would put Briar Rose very high up on that list. Yeah, preview of an upcoming question. Um, but yes, uh, flowers I think are totally where it's at, and um, whether you want to do aggro, mid-range, or control, uh, flowers fit pretty well into all that stuff. So play flowers. Thank you, Ryan. Yeah, thanks. Okay, our next piece of listener mail comes from Listener Lane, which is just a simple question. What do we think of Bamboozle? I think that Bamboozle is pretty great. I think that all of the cards with plant evolution go very well with sunflowers and ways to ramp. So that is uh, is a good win in my book. And 
six mana five six that draws you two cards i think is quite good on rate six mana five six that doesn't draw you cards i think is probably not quite good enough but drawing two cards in the late game when you might be able to cast them both on this on you know draw two cards and cast them both next turn i think that's very strong yeah i only started messing around with it after i first saw we got this question and on paper it looks like a very good card for sure it it's a big body, it draws you cards, it does what Mega Grow cards should do, but I'm not in love with it. Like, it does work very well in a Chomzilla deck where you have all those extra sunflowers and can get it out earlier. Like, that is the deck I've played it in that had the most success. And it's probably, like, a very good budget-end deck for for cheaper players, but I think if I'm going to have a big card with a plant evolution, I want it to be something that will affect the board instead of just drawing me extra cards like look at Cobb cannon i've also been playing around with that a little bit and that card is really nice it can clear a bunch of small dudes out of the way and take out a big target if you give it an evolution whereas this big plant evolution card just gives you more cards instead of dealing with a very big zombie board yeah i I think your comment about this being good for new players is quite uh astute that you know, not every card can be so good that it is included in the kinds of decks where everybody owns everything. But for the top end of, you know, just a random cards I own deck, I think that this is pretty fine. And I've even had some okay success with this as like a one or two of in, you know, just like a mid-rangey grass knuckles kind of deck where like this is probably good enough to at least trade, if not eat whatever's in front of it and get you two cards out of the deal. That's the sort of thing that can help you get over the edge if, in general, their zombies outclass your plants in the late game. I wish we could have seen this with the click pee before it got nerfed. That would have been fun. Oh, sure. Six mana five six that draws two is very good when your deck has one mana five fives in it. But sadly, rest in peace. Peas. Damn. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Lane. Yes, thank you, Lane. Question three is from listener Elliot, who wants to know some tips to craft cards and grind up cards for a new player you know besides just spending money on packs what sort of ways can you get your hands on on the good cards that you want to play with if you haven't been around so long as to just have a huge body of cards and well i think the very first thing to keep in mind is that you shouldn't get too attached to your legendaries there are a lot of legendaries that are very very good and you'll probably put in most decks but there are also some legendaries that are very, very situational. You know, you can look at Nurse Gargantuar and realize, like, this card is amazing. And any any deck that can play it, you probably want to play it. But with a card, you know, like Cornucopia or Cryo Yeti or Gatling P, you know, there are some there are some legendaries that are quite powerful when they do what they do, but don't really fit into every deck. And when you're a new player trying to make the best use possible out of your your time and your resources, you want to focus on cards that go in like every deck. And so turning a random legendary into a really strong super rare or, you know, one of those event cards that you'd always play, like Lily of the Valley, I think that that is, is a very good idea. That's something certainly something that I would be doing if I was starting out right now. I would definitely try and focus on one or two decks and revise those to make them as competitive as possible compared to branching out your your starting collection exactly and so you know something like briar rose which you mentioned before flowers are a really strong tribe and briar rose really pulls a lot of weight in a flower deck and so 
if you're looking for legendaries to craft, I mean, legendaries are super expensive in this game and there's really no two ways about it. Um, and so if you're going to spend 4,000 sparks on something, I think Briar Rose is probably the one at the top of the list. But even before doing that, I would I would craft some cards like Lily of the Valley that really just belong in every deck. Yeah, I, I would definitely try and craft old event cards and super rares before I started making legendaries. Especially Agreed. the cheaper super rares like Black Eyed Pea or Jurassic Fossil Head because exactly. those are very good cards that you can probably play in any game you draw them. And that is a very good way to benefit from, you know, what few rare awesome cards you do make. Right. And um, something that I'm sure everybody knows is that the early game is the most important part of it. If you want to be able to survive, to play the stuff that you have in your late game, even if it's like the clunkier, uncommon, rare stuff like Bamboozle, the way you survive that long is by winning the early game, you know, making sure that they have to respond to the stuff that you do rather than proactively going about their game plan. And uh, just one final note, do not be shy about grinding up event cards that you don't think you're going to use. You know, if you get 4x of the event cards every week and it's something niche that that you, you know, aren't really super uh, excited by, especially if, you know, it's a class you don't like to play or one you don't have or one you don't have, that's that's a thousand sparks for you to spend on a, a super rare that you really do want. So, you know, let's say that you're not super big on Jack-O-Lantern, which is the event card this week. Then those four Jack-O-Lanterns are, you know, a single black-eyed pea if you are so inclined. I wonder how hard it is to grind for the weekly event cards if you don't have given access to the 10x hero of the week. That is certainly a concern. Something that I've been kind of hesitant to mention on the show because I feel it's kind of exploitative, um, but is definitely a known about thing in the community is the fact that the Plants vs. Zombies Heroes game doesn't actually do that much checking of your system clock against like, you know, against the server where all the data is. So especially if you're playing offline and just doing missions and stuff, um, you can like just set your clock forward four hours and then load the game back up and then your your event timer will be reset. Um, and then you can go back and, and reset your system clock to the real time, go back into the client, play your 10x game or your 5x game if you don't have the hero, and then get your extra tickets and go back to your system time and reset it and keep doing that. I think probably in a perfect world, the developers of this game wouldn't allow that sort of thing to happen. But you're really not hurting anybody, you know what I mean? You're not even really cheating. Like, you know, you're just, you're just like, taking a shortcut so you don't have to grind as hard. Like, nobody's going to begrudge you that option. And um, if you don't have access to the 10x heroes, and, like, let's say you can only play on your commute, or, you know, your your commute takes you through a place where you don't have cell service and you can't get the extra tickets from playing on the ladder, you know, you can just go offline and play the missions with your, you know, flickering your clock back and forth and, and end up with a pretty good amount of tickets. So thank you, listener Elliot, for that new friend, new player-friendly question. All right. Uh, our next question is from listener Nick, a.k.a. I guess Fugers, F-0-0-G-E-R-S. Apologies if I mispronounced your uh, your screen name. Yeah, he's a Twitch streamer who I've watched at least once, and he apparently has listened to us at least once. So hi there. Yeah, so thank. he just uh, kind of writes in to shout out saying that uh, he likes the show. Um, he also makes a comment on um, my, uh, my power creep metaphor from last time, you know, where I talked about... Uh, the Simpsons with the, oh, no, we're overrun by pigeons. Oh, well, we'll just eat them all with lizards. Oh, no, we're overrun by lizards. Oh, well, we'll eat them all with snakes. And, uh, you know, he he very astutely points out that ultimately PopCap is in the business of making a game that people pay for. And, you know, if you want to 
to deal with problem cards, printing new cards that people will want to have to deal with that problem is a, is a pretty reasonable way of making money. And so I'm certainly not going to begrudge PopCap um, if they thought that printing a card like Barrel of Barrels was the right call for dealing with what was going on in Plantex at the time. And I think the sort of glass half full mentality is that it's a way for creative players to sort of maneuver around a new metagame threat that is, you know, kind of hating out whatever their previous strategy was. Uh, so I think that that's a good point. So thank you. Uh, thank you, listener Nick. And additionally, um, he uh, posts a whole bunch of sweet decks. So we're uh, we're going to put the link to his Imgur gallery in the show notes just with all of his uh, all his decks he likes. And um, there's some pretty sweet ones in there. I think my favorite one is uh, the last one on the list. It's a uh, Citron control deck. Um, and, uh, there's a lot of legendaries in there, let me tell you. So it's not a cheap deck, but you know, any deck that wants to try to win with Walnut Bowling has a, has a place in my heart. And, uh, you know, it just looks like a very fun, very dynamic kind of game that this sort of deck would play and probably has game against, you know, like Zomblob Shenan's. Yeah, and I'm very impressed by his flower deck, both his rose deck and his tempo Chompzilla, which... Interestingly, it's a flower deck that doesn't run Briar Rose, which is quite the oddity in this world. But the uh, the rose deck looks really cool, and it features Primal Sunflower and a card we're going to talk about a little bit later, Elderberry. Yeah, and uh, in fact, some of these decks are quite cheap. Um, that uh, that Tempo Flower deck, Chompzilla deck that you mentioned, there are no legendaries or super rares in it, and the only event card is a 4x Lily of the Valley. And so, you know, if you're on a budget and you and you don't buy packs with money, this is the sort of deck that you'll probably find some success with. Yeah. All right. Uh, so thank you, listener Nick, for that cool compendium of sweet decks. Uh, and then our final listener mail this week is from listener Adam, who first of all asks what we think of Jack-O-Lantern, and it happens to be the event card this week, so stay tuned to hear us talk about that. Uh, but uh, his other question is what we think about a budget Repeat Moss deck. Repeat Moss is, you know, one of those, it's relatively common card that definitely screams build around me, you know, at the top of its lungs. And we each took a stab at this, and uh, we've started out with some uh, budget Repeat Moss decks of our own. So why don't you give yours a shot first, Mike? All right. Thanks, Taylor. So when building a Repeat Moss deck, there's one question you have to answer first above everything else. Am I going to build Captain Combustible, or do I want this to be a surprise? Because everyone knows Captain Combustible is the best Repeat Moss hero because of his crazy buffing superpowers. But if you're playing against Combustible and he's been stockpiling his supers, you can kind of tell what the endgame strategy is. So I put together a Grass Knuckles deck to get around that. So when they play a Grave in front of your Repeat Moss, you can just Grave Buster it and then bonus attack, and that is a wonderful, dirty feeling. Yeah, and uh, and everybody who tries to beat Repeat Moss decks knows that a Gravestone is pretty much the surefire way to do it, and being able to play Repeat Moss in the color that has Grave Buster, I think, is a, is a nice sort of zagging when your opponent expects you to zig, you know what I mean? Yeah, the Moss also got some good on-color help in the form of the uh, Umbrella Leaf and also Grape Power, which then also summons a one-mana trick in itself, and sometimes if you just have two great powers in your hand, you can buff something enough to win right then and there without even needing repeat moss. Yeah, that's right. You know, great power goes goes quite good on a Cro-Magnolia or a Black-Eyed Pea or anything like that. You don't even need to use it as a combo piece. If you're making a budget repeat moss deck, you still do need to get Lily of the Valley. It just matters so much if you can play it and have it be a four-attack creature right away without needing any more trick resources. Definitely. Uh, yeah, and so uh, my version, despite Mike uh, wanting to be fancy and playing a non-Captain Combustible repeat Mustech, I was perfectly happy playing Combustible. And so 
in my deck, I sort of have two game plans here. So there's the there's the repeat moss package that has you know repeat moss and banana peel and great power and all that stuff you know designed to let you combo off with repeat moss. I also think that banana launcher is a pretty cute way of getting some extra one mana spells. They they both help trigger your repeat moss and they also keep you alive so that you can play repeat moss because you'll oftentimes not want to replay play repeat moss on turn four because it might just die. So you sometimes you want to play repeat moss and then play a spell so that you immediately get value. But the other thing I have going on in there, uh, some Chrome Magnolia stuff. So you can have Shroom for two, which is quite a good combo with Lily of the Valley anyway, you know, making a pair of three threes. But you can also uh, just set up a pretty strong aggro opening uh, and then you slam Chrome Magnolia in it attack them for like 10. So yeah, I think this deck is quite strong and uh it's only it's got about 10 cards that cost a thousand sparks, you know, some some event cards and some super rares. Uh so it's not like super super budget, but there's definitely still no legendaries and you know, it's not just like jamming every good card. And I've had quite good success with it. I ranked up a couple times. Another thing to keep in mind when building a repeat moss deck is you don't need to get all of your damage from Repeat Moss. Like, you don't need to always imagine the crazy one-turn kill, take him down from, like, 18 to 0 at once kind of thing. Like, it's okay to have it be a four-attack creature that can clear your opponent's field, or even doing two attacks with plant food. Yeah, no kidding. You, you don't have to go all in on the combo, which is sort of what I was talking about when I said um, you don't have to play it on turn four. The, the hardest thing about playing combo decks is, like, kind of understanding how to maneuver around your opponent's cards uh so those those decks can often be quite complicated but the reward is when you get good at playing them you can beat cards that significantly outclass you on power thank you listener adam and that was also our deck talk of the week yes indeed so enjoy that and we'll be posting all these decks and stuff in the show notes if you want to write us some uh, listener mail you can do so at shroom for two podcast at gmail.com For our card of the week, we have the Jack-O-Lantern, another old cash-only card back for a weekly event. It's a 3-mana 2-3 solar card that has strike through, and it gets one attack whenever it hurts the zombie hero. So what do you think about this card, Taylor? I think it's okay. 3-mana 2-3 with strike through is uh, not super great, you know, on rate. Like, it's probably not going to kill most 3-drops. It might not even kill most 2-drops. And um, it's probably only going to connect once or twice, maybe even only once. It's definitely a card that wants to interact with other cards in a positive way. So it wants to wear buffs. It wants to hide behind stuff with team up. You know, it's a card that you need to make work. Yeah, Chompzilla is probably the first hero that comes to my mind because of all of the different buffing things that Megaguro has access to. And also you could play it on Coffee Grounds, which is a you know, nice turn two into three play oh, yeah. if you can get it to stick. But I'm not a huge fan of small attack things with strike through in general, because if I put something with strike through in my deck, I want it to hit for a big chunk of damage. And right, especially because it's probably going to die. Yeah, and things that only attack for two are, you know, almost a nuisance in the early part of the game with charging the enemy block meter. Mm-hmm. I like Apple Saucer a lot more. Two mana, three two conditional strike through. Like I am a, I'm a big fan of that card in both aggro and control decks. Uh, that is a good point. I like that card also. And uh, so one other thing to think about with this card, I think, is that two whole sets have come out since we last saw this card available in a way that you could get without crafting. And so I think that it's a good idea to look at what cards have come out to assist this card since we first saw it. So starting with the Galactic Garden set. There are some good ways to buff and protect 
uh, Jack-O-Lantern in Galactic Gardens. Megagrow, which is good at doing both of those things. You've got Banana Peel to move a guy out of the way. You've got Coffee Grounds to make it attack twice. You've got um, Vegetation Mutation to make it a little bit bigger. And you have in uh, Smarty, as a way to just sort of get a little bit extra value out of it, uh, you've got Planet of the Grapes. You know, even it's the Planet of the Grapes isn't like Venus Flytrap Planet is now, where if the creature dies, it doesn't work. It, even if Jack-O-Lantern dies, if it's on a Planet of the Grapes, you're still going to draw a card. Yeah, that means you could probably get two cards out of it, which that sounds pretty nice. In the uh, in the Guardian class, you could put it in a force field, keep it from taking damage. <laughs> that's true. Force field, it's... Oh, man. So force field is one of those cards that's like, this is such a weird card, you know? This is a little bit off topic, but like, you know, it's one of those cards like Pear Paradise, where like, this is clearly designed to do something really weird. And probably the best thing I've seen is um, is putting a soul patch on it. You know, that's like makes for some funny screenshots of like people attacking you with like 50 power zombies and you're still not dead. Uh, Yeah, force field is one of those ways to just sort of like come out of left field from your opponent's perspective. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like force field mostly exists as a way of punishing zombie heroes for not putting enough environments in their decks. Like if I lose to force field, it's because I didn't draw an environment to pave over it. Yeah, that's good. You know, keeps them honest. You know what I mean? Yeah. You also get photosynthesizer to give it a little bit of extra health. That's true. And then in uh, the colossal fossil set, we've got uh, a couple things. So as we mentioned in the um, repeat must segment, uh, great power and great responsibility. Uh, probably more likely great responsibility in this case. Um, have a pretty good interaction with Jack-O-Lantern, plus three health, making it a 2-6 with Strike Through that grows, um, means it's probably going to stick around for quite a bit longer. At least going to be worth an extra card. You got Primal Sunflower to get it out of turn earlier. That's true, yeah. This is a Primal Sunflower into Jack-O-Lantern is actually probably not that bad, because um, on turn two, they're going to have probably played a creature to deal with your Primal Sunflower, because you know they don't want you to keep ramping, which means that your Jack-O-Lantern is going to... Jack Lantern's going to get in an extra hit, so it's going to be a 3-3. And 3-3 with Strike Through that grows when it is first presented with an opposing creature to block is significantly better, I think. You're more likely to trade with stuff, and if you survive, then, you know, you're just presenting even more damage. So yeah, this is actually a case where Primal Sunflower is doing some work. Yeah, how about that? So then in um, in Kabloom, you got Crow Magnolia, probably my favorite or second favorite card in Colossal Fossils. Um, just any way to buff the power of your creatures with strike through is going to be very strong and crow magnolia is like you're not really paying a cost by putting that in your deck it's very strong by itself megagrow has umbrella leaf very good at protecting stuff from spot removal smarty um doesn't really have a whole lot that works with it specifically well i think grave mistake is like stealthily one of the better cards that plants got in this set it's like a good way to punish them from playing a uh, gravestone and, you know, also, like, doesn't really, it's not that much of a tempo hit for you. Probably still going to be able to play a thing on the turn you play uh, Grave Mistake. I like Parapal, but I think I'm a little bit unreasonably biased in favor of it. Uh, yeah, Parapal's okay, but it's it's not the kind of card that goes in an aggro deck, you know what I mean? Uh, Jack-O-Lantern probably wants to go in a lower-to-the-ground deck, and just, like, random 2-mana two 2-2 two two that doesn't really do anything, I think is is less, like, you know, it's got a lot of competition in an aggro deck. But uh, rounding out the colors here, I think an underappreciated card in Solar is uh, Colonel Pult. It's a one mana, one one with team up, so you can just block with it if you need to. But that extra minus one, minus one, I think is uh, definitely something that's worth more than it looks like when you read it on the card. And the fact that it's in the Solar colors means that if you're playing, you know, Chompzilla and you've got access to Lily of the Valley, um, that means that, you know, both of those cards work quite well with Lily of the Valley. So you can sort of set up some, some good combos. Yeah, the the Colonel Pult turning something into a zero attack zombie that your 
Jack Lanning can set up in front of seems really viable. Uh, yeah, and so I, I think that all in all, um, Jack Lantern is going to be worth more than it was the first time we saw it, and that it's um it's just a nice power level that that isn't too strong. Like even if it gets really good, it's I don't think it's going to really take the game over because it's just it's a three mana creature that attacks. Like that's really all it does, and uh, it's a fun challenge to build around to try to make it work. And for the second part of our card of the week, we're still going through some of the Colossal Fossil cards that we like. And my card this week is the Elderberry, the 4-mana 2-4 with Strike Through Solar card that has a plant evolution, give it 3 attacks, so it becomes a 5-4 with Strike Through, which is a force to be reckoned with, especially if you get it out on turn 3 after Solar Winds. Yeah. That card, man. Like, Plant Evolutions has made Solar Winds so, so much better. You know, in addition to ramping extra each turn and having little decoys, the fact that those can now power up some really powerful plant evolutions is a great boon. Yeah, and I think just when evaluating Elderberry just on its stats, five power plant with strike through, your alternative for that is a legendary card, you know, Astrocado. And it's probably less than half the time, probably significantly less than half the time, that the Astrocado pit actually turns back into one and so you know this is effectively 90 percent of the power of a legendary card in a rare that's one cheaper that's one cheaper and that's that's really worth paying attention to they push this card pretty hard yeah also it's a flower so you have extra flower synergy for it taking hits playing with plant evolution and team up is still really fascinating to me because you can sometimes get a Cobb Cannon and an Elderberry in the same lane and attack for 11, only hitting the block meter once. Exploits like that are everywhere, and I feel like finding them is a good way to keep your head above water in the as a plant player right now. Strike through damage, just like Bullseye, is one of those ways to, to just sort of shorten the game. You know, they're not as able to block effectively. And Elderberry is great if you ramp it out, but it's also quite good in the late game because... If you're a deck that's trying to kill them quick and you've gotten to the late game, it's probably because their creatures are bigger and they're able to effectively block your stuff. And five points worth of strike through damage, you know, might be the difference between winning and losing in that case. Uh, so Elderberry, I think, has a home as the top end of some aggro decks. You know, everybody remembers that Fry aggro solar flare that had Elderberry at the top end. And I think that Elderberry is a totally fine thing to just like play as a mid-range card in your mid-range deck. And my fossil of the week is Fireweed. It is a Kabloom card. It is a 2-mana 3-3. It is a flower and a root. And uh, it says, when played on the ground, make Hot Lava here. Hot Lava being the environment that says, before combat, deal one to the plants and the zombies. 2-mana 3-3, the floor is lava. And I think this card is amazing. This is definitely one of my favorite cards in the set from a design perspective. You know, like, I just love this kind of thing where it's like, it's a... Small creature with big stats with a drawback that lets you get creative, you know, because at first, if you play it on the heights, you don't get the lava. So you just get a two mana three three with no drawback. Oh, no. Uh, second, hot lava is a way to interact with the plants that trigger when they take damage themselves. So, you know, some of those like Spadow decks that are trying to do, you know, mirror nut and hibernating berry and all that stuff will play, you know, like lava guava. Uh, in this case, you get a two mana creature that makes the hot lava and that hot lava can pave over an enemy environment. So that's pretty sweet, too. Yeah, I think this definitely got overlooked in the all of the hype of the new zombie from set three 
that the Kabloom class got a very, very strong and neat toy to play with. There aren't a lot of two-mana ways to create an, an environment for the plant side, and this does that and has a really strong creature on top of it. Or you could play it on heights and have a 3-3 three, three on turn two, which is incredible. Yeah, two mana two mana thing that makes an environment and affects the board is is nuts. Like one of the things that makes Solar Winds so good is that it's just a two mana environment that in a perfect world also makes you some mana. But being a two mana environment so that you can pave over their Medulla Nebula and still do something is like pretty close to good enough on its own. And the fact that this does that and also is a creature that they probably want to block is is just nuts. You're getting a whole lot for your money. Do you find you play it more on heights on turn two or or to get rid of an environment? they have uh it depends on the deck certainly if there is a one health zombie i will absolutely be playing it in front of that because anytime you can get a card's worth of card advantage out of it is extremely good if i'm just trying to go face then yeah i'll usually play it on the heights but uh if there's like a graveyard or a medulla nebula that is looking like it's going to cause me trouble especially graveyard um, this is a good way to answer that. Yeah, I'm a big fan too. In fact, now that I think about it, I think it's probably probably more specifically an anti-graveyard measure. It kills Headstone Carver just just straight up. And if they played an imposter or you know some other good one health thing on top of the graveyard, you know, as a way to make it dodge removal, it actually doesn't dodge the removal. So I think that is pretty sweet. Yeah, just watch out for imp throwing imp. Uh, so fireweed is just super fun. Um, I think that if you're if you're looking for useful cards to craft out of Colossal Fossils, it's pretty hard to go wrong with this if you like to play Kabloom. And uh, yeah, I'll be playing it a whole lot. Yeah, Kabloom aggro decks are one of the cheaper ways to try and ladder as a plan hero right now, so this might be worth the investment. Yeah, especially with two weeks left, I'm going to be jamming this whole lot. All right, everybody. Well, that's going to wrap it up for Episode 6 of Shroom for Two. Uh, thanks again to everybody for all, all the listener mail. Um, and, uh, you know, if we start getting like a thousand listener mails per show, we're not going to be able to do them all. Um, but these have, these have all been nice and short and, uh, and very thought provoking at the same time. So, so thanks a whole bunch for writing. And if you want to write, uh, some more stuff, it's shroom for two podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We really appreciate our listeners giving us some talking points to have a little waxing about what we think of because there's a lot of cars in this game and a lot of different ways you can think about it. And it's nice to have that little bit of direction from our listeners. Yeah. Uh, let us know what you think about uh, no brainy November. I think that's a really funny idea. And I think, you know, it's a, it's a nice creative challenge uh, to sort of restrict yourself with. If you've, if you've otherwise been coasting by teleporting in giant dudes. And uh, another thing that I think is good to do is um, if you know somebody that plays this game, but uh, either doesn't go on the Reddit or, you know, you think they might not have heard the show, tell somebody about it. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can't talk to a mod and try to get the post stickied uh, when we post this episode. Like every week we're always seeing people who have been like, Oh, Oh my god i didn't know you did this show and there's already a bunch of episodes wow and so you know we're just trying to get the show in front of as many people as we can please tell somebody yes and shout out to the pvc heroes discord for putting our episodes up yeah the, the link is uh on the sidebar on the pvc heroes reddit and uh yeah they talk about the game in there and you know you talk about the episode um i look at it sometimes i i don't have too much freedom to to really stay in there and and read what everything is going on but uh if you send me a private message i'm hand of all rats in there and i'll see that i don't use discord but i might someday i think there's like a uh, hundred some dudes in the discord room and uh yeah go in there and talk about this game and how much you love our podcast Exactly. Yes. Do that too. Please uh, make sure that everybody knows about the show and that everybody knows how cool it is. Uh, so until next week, uh, this has been Shroom for Two and I'm Taylor. And I'm Mike.